if you know me at all, you know I love to laugh. I love to laugh with my kids. I love to laugh with my wife, my friends. But I come to a heavy topic today. And uh, it's a real topic. And uh, no. Not one that I can come with laughter. Luke 16 tells about a man who found himself in hell. I want to preach a message today. Hell is real. Luke 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen but fared sumptuously every day. Here, Jesus, there's some wealthy Pharisees and boy, they thought their life, they, they had it all together, so to speak, and they didn't need Jesus. Uh, you see, life, I, I figured it out. And I don't need you, Lord. That's a dangerous way to live your life. Verse 20, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. As Jesus was here on earth, often he would give parables. These were fictional stories with a viewpoint of earth designed to teach heavenly truths. This story is not one of those. This is not a parable. The use of the name Lazarus indicates that this this was a real event. Lazarus would be laid at the gate of this man's home, and he must have been a cripple, the fact that people would lay him there. He dealt with awful sores. I don't know, maybe like a bed sore of sorts. He, he didn't seem like he could get around. And even, even nowadays with our modern medicine, bed sores, that type of thing, can be super dangerous. What a contrast between the rich man who fared sumptuously every day, the one who lived like a king, and the other who lived like human debris. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. Lazarus, oh, he just lived life hoping for a few crumbs that would fall from, Lazarus, uh, from the rich man's table. I wonder if the rich man thought a little pragmatically, well, I, I, I'll give him just enough so that I don't feel slash look entirely inhuman, but I don't want to give him so much that it attracts other beggars to make their home at my gate. I don't know. The only friends of Lazarus seem to be the dogs. It came to pass that the, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Preached a message a while ago on, on carried or buried. Carried or buried. 
Lazarus was carried into the bosom of Abraham. The rich man was buried. The one, the idea of carried by angels into Abraham's bosom, the general term for paradise or, or heaven, the other was buried. Down he went. And here's the verse, verse 23. And in hell. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. September 11th, 2001, two airliners crashed into the Twin Towers in New York. My, my wife and I got to visit Ground Zero there and partake in some of the somberness of that place. Uh, my wife... Um, kind of the historian in our family. She, she does a good job grabbing the kids on September 11th pr- pretty often and, and saying, hey, let's, let's, let's watch some videos uh, of that horrific day. And one thing that jumps out more and more to me is, is watching people as the towers were on fire jumping from the windows. Not like in a movie. Not stunt people. Real men and women throwing themselves from the windows and falling to their deaths. Why? Because of fire. They would do anything to escape the fire including jump to their deaths. In hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Hell is real. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that you'd be with this message. I ask, Lord, if there's somebody in in here that's not saved and they're headed for hell, I I pray that they would get saved today. But I also pray, Lord, that those of us that are in here that are saved, we would start living like hell is real. And too many of our fellow human beings are headed that direction. Lord, help us all in this room to believe the Bible when it says that hell is real. This rich man who found himself there. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts to this truth. I ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Verse 23, in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. Being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, Sounds like uh, this, rich, this rich man was, was Jewish. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. I have no window to jump from and I have no blessed release of death. There's no escape for me. Lazarus was no longer crippled, was he? 
The rich man recognized that Lazarus would have the ability now to dip his finger possibly in some water and come and and cool the end of his tongue with that. Uh, uh, Boy, there, there hadn't been much mercy shown to Lazarus in this life, but in the next, boy, the rich man was begging for some mercy to be shown to him from Lazarus. Lazarus was was in a temporary body, awaiting his resurrection body, but he wasn't disembodied. He wasn't a floating spirit. (laughs) He had at least a finger that he could dip in some water, so we assume that he had more than just a finger. He had a body. Verse 25, but Abraham said, son... Remember? Now this also might be one of the horrors of hell. Remembering. Remembering the chances that you scorned away. The good people who tried to bring up eternity, but you said, away with that. That offends me. The times, uh, rich man, remember when possibly you joked about that pious old cripple out by your gate and maybe you placed bets with your friends on how long he would even be around to try to turn your gaze upward. How long would he even be there to wreck your view of your precious landscaping? Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Oh, the unsaved person who lives for the joys of this world, they know some reward down here, but oh, how fleeting it is. The saved live down here, often in humble estate, but when they look to the Lord and trust him for salvation, oh, their reward is heavenly and eternal. And this isn't a message about rich versus poor. This is a message about trusting self versus trusting Christ. We sing that soul, nothing between my soul and the Savior. We don't want anything between our soul and the Savior. But here, in this awful place, the rich man found that there was something between him and paradise. Listen to this next verse. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they that would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee. Oh, it's interesting. The the rich man is now becoming a man of prayer. But it's too late. It's too late. I pray thee, the rich man says from hell. I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him, that is Lazarus, to my father's house. Oh, wow, you have all sorts of things that Lazarus can do for you now, don't you? Can, can he bring me water? No. Well, well, then, can he carry a message to my family? Lazarus wasn't much to him on earth, but now, boy, all the things that Lazarus can do for him seem pretty vital. Lazarus had been the beggar on earth, but now, who is the beggar? 
Verse 25, I have five brethren. Oh, won't you send Lazarus that he might testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Now the tormented man becomes missions-minded. It's interesting in hell that the things that truly matter begin to truly matter. Do you hear that? There on the other side of eternity, the things that truly matter begin to truly matter. But we don't have to wait until eternity for the things that truly matter to truly matter. Here at church, we open God's word and we peer into eternity with the goal, oh God, teach me now that the things that truly matter that will matter in eternity might matter to me even now. The rich man became burdened for the lost once it became too late. Oh, friends, let's not wait till the other side of eternity to get burdened for the lost. Are you one of those lost people? Is your family member lost? Or is your coworker, your, your neighbor lost? Are there more people out there we could pick up on our buses who are lost? Verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. He's saying they have the Bible. They have the Old Testament. They have, they have the scripture. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Oh, he understood the value of repentance now. Oh, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish, Jesus said in Luke 13. And now after it's too late, the rich man understands the value of repentance. Oh, my family. Oh, it's important that they repent. And if Lazarus would just go back and preach, testify, if one would come from the dead, they would repent. Oh, they need to repent. Oh, I see the value of it now. Actually, he was wrong, wasn't he? Jesus came back from the dead and the vast majority of people today still don't care. A different Lazarus came back from the dead in John chapter 11. And instead of listening to him and what he had to say about the horrors of hell and the happiness of paradise when you know God. By the beginning of John chapter 12, the religious establishment were seeking to put that different Lazarus to death. Verse 31, and he said unto him, Abraham said, if they hear not Moses or the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. All right, with our time that remain, I want to give you three points. The horrors of hell. Being in torments the hopelessness of hell. There was no escape. And the helplessness of hell. Oh, things began to click. The things that mattered became evident to him. But he could do nothing about them. The horrors of hell, first of all. He was tormented in flame. 
tormented in flame. Luke 16, 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he would dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Thirst. Awful thirst. And no quenching of it forever and ever. And you don't just get used to it. Not like moving to a hot climate and after a while your body adjusts. There's no adjusting to the torment of hell. You don't learn to endure it. This is part of the anguish. You don't adjust to it. Down here in this life, sometimes we go through awful things and and the body goes into shock. The Bible allows us somehow to withdraw from the pain, withdraw into ourselves and, and, and not experience all the anguish, but not so in eternity. There's no going into a shock and withdrawing from the horrors of the torments. Just perpetual agony of eternal flame. The rich man could see and hear and feel and thirst. His senses were very much alive to the torment and they still are right now. 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 8 and 9. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. What does he mean by, how do you obey the gospel? Well, you you open the book and you find out what the gospel is and then you meet God's conditions of faith and repentance. That's what it means to obey the gospel. So so many say, away with those horrors. I laugh at the face of eternal danger. Oh, you won't laugh forever. We don't see any laughing of this man. We don't see any laughing at this man. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, out of the presence of God forever. And from the glory of his presence. And some, oh, we'll get angry with God, won't we? How could God let anyone go through such terror and torment? Uh, Why wouldn't God do something to stop that? Well, I'm glad you brought it up. He did. He sent his only son to die to pay the penalty so that none need go there. By the way, when Jesus was on this earth, he preached more about hell than he did about heaven. It was a big deal to God the Son. And oh, won't it be a big deal to us. The Bible mentions hell 88 times. God's word is our divine warning not to joke about such things. And yet, the vast majority of the time we hear that word hell is being used as a cuss word our fellow human beings in movies as they mock those right things and all those 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 words just a cuss word thrown around boy then the soul winner tries to come and away with the soul winner away with the preacher who would who would speak rightly 
about hell. Bring me more movies. Bring me more fun. We make fictional movies down here about our werewolves and and vampires and, and the walking dead. We turn God's warnings into entertainment. Did you catch that? We turn God's warnings into entertainment. Is God the one we should be angry at? Oh, God, have mercy. Have mercy. The horrors of hell, the the torment. And then remember. He said, oh, son, remember. Oh, will our memories plague us and haunt us forever and ever? I I believe they will. Luke 16, 25. Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Son, remember. You and Lazarus lived very different lives and aimed at different things. You mocked the things of God. You mocked those things he valued. And you lived your short life down here like it was all that mattered. Who was right? Oh, that question would forever haunt him. Who was right? How awful to remember remember every sin, every opportunity, every sermon, every time someone tried to bring up eternity, every song about God, every prayer. I wonder if, if every time somebody prayed for you, you'll be aware that someone lifted up your soul before God and you scorned at every track, every warning, oh, the anguish. Son, remember! Oh, yes, yes, I, I remember Yes, Lazarus, one one of the very few who who tried to turn my gaze upward. Yes, disease-ridden, starving, dying Lazarus. Oh, he, he was one of the few that ever stabbed my conscience. Oh, Abraham, please send him. Oh, he uttered this plea, but that plea was set aside. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. There is enough Bible truth in David and Daniel in Ezra and Ezekiel in mighty Isaiah alone for them to know the truth about such things. There is Job and Jeremiah. How many witnesses must God send? No! They have God's word. Let them hear the witnesses of God. Remember, son, the chances you had and turned aside Oh, the horror of hell. Secondly, the hopelessness of hell. The hopelessness of hell. There is no escape. How many times have we been through something and we think, oh, well, at least the sun will come up tomorrow. Oh, I go through this awful thing right now, but at least the sun will come up tomorrow. Oh, there's no sunrise. No escape. Luke 16, 26, and beside all this, but between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed that they that would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. A great gulf fixed. Nothing can be done. Fixed forever. No end. Inescapable. The rich man was crying out this message so long ago, and it pains me that he's still crying out this message. Oh, can't anything be done? He is still there, and and one day, hell will be spilt into the eternal lake of fire, 
Revelation 20, 14. No end forever and ever. Boy, to the believer, we, what a lovely word, right? Forever. In December, we sing about forever, don't we? King of kings forever and ever. And Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, what a lovely word, that word forever when you know Christ. But oh, the terror of that word when you don't. The song of hell. I'm here forever and ever and ever and ever, forever and ever. One word, one song, one tune, one note, one key forever. There's a great gulf fixed and there is no going back and forth. There's a chasm that separates. Beside all this, Abraham said, between us and you, there is a a great gulf fixed. There is no traffic back and forth. That word gulf in the Greek, chasma, now Luke is writing these words and Luke was a doctor. Uh, and, and, and this word, it's interesting, it's a word that's used for there's an open, uh, an open wound. It's interesting that he used that word. Between me and thee there is an open wound. What keeps a lost person in hell? An open wound the wound thrust deep into the Savior's side. God sees that wound and his wrath burns. What keeps a saved person in heaven? The same open wound that pleads the blood of Christ to cancel God's wrath. Sometimes down here someone that feels very passionately about something will say, over my dead body, you'll have to kill me first. And in many ways, that's what Christ said. I care so much about every human being that they will go to hell only over my dead body. And he did. He gave his life. Yes, he rose from the dead. But if anyone, it's not Christ that sends people to hell. It's sinners that step over the death of the Lord Jesus and step into the pit forever and ever. One brazenly steps over the death of Christ and into the pit. It is the rejected blood and our sin uncovered by that blood that sends us to hell and keeps us there. Oh, Jesus shed his blood and and that's why I'm not going to hell. I'm a sinner, but my sin is covered with the precious blood of Christ. And that's the only reason I'm not going there. And that same blood was spilt for every human being. 2 Thessalonians said, punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. There's a great gulf fixed, oh, to be separate from God. Separate from the presence of God. I, I, don't, I don't know how to begin to talk about how awful that is. Gehenna. A word for hell. Mark 9, 43 through 44. 
If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than to have two hands and go into hell. Hell, Gehenna. Into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The fire is not quenched. No water to put out those flames. No celestial fire extinguisher to put out those flames. The flames are never, ever quenched. Gehenna. Hell is the burning trash heap of eternity. Gehenna, that place outside the walls of Jerusalem where they would burn the garbage. A perpetual fire there as more garbage was placed there and it was burned on the, on the edges of that place. There would be warm places where, where worms would live in the soil and in the garbage there the, where the worm dieth not. Eternity's trash bin. And God doesn't want anyone to go there. We looked at the horrors of hell and the hopelessness of hell. There's no escape. Let's look at the helplessness of hell. Oh, he figured it out. Suddenly he knew what was important. Oh, oh, there were some things in my life that weren't important to me then, but they are now. What can I do about them? Oh, it's too late. The helplessness of hell. Luke 16, 27 and 28, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify. Oh, you mean what, what he tried to do in this life? Or he, oh, what, what, you say he was a pretty good preacher? You, you want him to go back? You want Lazarus to go back and testify? Oh, he's, he's a pretty good preacher, isn't he? Hey, you want him to go back and talk to your brothers? that he might testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I know what matters now, and I must live and regret for all of eternity. Oh, friend, right now while you have breath, oh, the mercy of God, that you can hear about these things that matter on this side of eternity and not awaken to their importance on the other side. Prayer. He believed in prayer. Oh, believer, how much are you praying? How much are you praying? Here, this man, he didn't have much use for prayer in this life. Oh, he looked for, he was able to look to himself for any, everything he needed. But now, I pray thee. The rich man prayed, but it was too late. He, he knew nothing of prayer in life. And then here he's praying to a saint. It's useless to pray to a saint, even one so great as Abraham with all the will of the world. Even so great a saint as Abraham was powerless to answer this tormented and despairing cry. He believed in prayer, and all of a sudden he believes in preaching. All oh, the world laughs at preaching, don't they? They laugh at preaching, but, but this man isn't laughing at preaching now, is he? He had no use for it in his life. But now, this rich man awakens in hell and suddenly he's a believer in preaching. Preaching. Oh, won't you send Lazarus back to testify? Oh, a blessed sermon for the sake of my family. 
Lazarus would make an excellent preacher. When he lived on earth, the rich man doubtless scoffed and, and scorned at Lazarus and his preaching. But no more. He sought for that preaching. He solicited that preaching. A fine preacher Lazarus would be. Oh, can you imagine emerging from the tomb? Alive. Lazarus, they could say, oh, it's awful in hell. And oh, it's wonderful in heaven. Won't you listen? Oh, I think they would listen. Please testify. Blessed preaching. By the way, Lazarus couldn't come and preach, but that rich man is crying out for you, believer. It's too late for me, but not for my family. Believer, you still have a chance to tell somebody. Won't you do it? He's crying for you to be a soul winner. If hell is just a myth, why did our creator send his only begotten son to die an unbelievably horrifying death for us? It's because hell is just that awful. Oh, he, he knew the importance of prayer and he knew the importance of preaching. Oh, and he knew the importance of people, didn't he? I have brothers. I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. I have brethren that he may testify unto them that they, lest, lest they also come to this place of torment. Boy, in his life, he never believed in hell. It, he didn't make any provision for the afterlife. Had he believed in hell, that belief would have quickened his conscience and changed his behavior. Oh, he believed in it now, though, but it was forever too late. He had five brothers, and, and, and they didn't believe in hell either. They needed a preacher. Ah, oh, he was in hell. It was too late. He believed then. But it was too late. Are you unsaved today? Someone in here? Like that person, uh, you say, well, I'm not a rich person. I have very much in the, so I, 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 I'm set, right? I don't have a whole lot in the bank. I'm, no, no, no. The, the point was that Lazar, uh, the rich man was looking to himself and decided that he didn't need God. Is that you? Are you unsaved in this room today? Are you ready for eternity? Boy, the, the rich man said, listen, no, the, the message isn't enough. They need somebody to come back from the dead. The message isn't enough. They need a miracle to get there. Oh, no, God said, no, it's not the miracle that needs to get their attention. If this won't get their attention, nothing will. Is that you today? Well, if God wants to get my attention, he needs to do something pretty amazing. This is what he's giving you, and it's more than we deserve. It's more than we deserve. Humble yourself before the word of God before it's too late. Now, the Bible tells us that most people are not saved. The Bible talks about that broad road of destruction. And, I, and I, I've, I've choked up before as I've seen those, 
those people throwing themselves out those windows from the, the World Trade Center or the Twin Towers. And chances are most of them were not saved. It bothers me to think of them escaping the flame, dropping to a death, and then opening their eyes to a worse one. And it does not have to be that way. I'm so glad that Jesus saved me. I did not deserve it. And he saved me. I did not look to myself. I do not have what I need to step into eternity. God saw my desperate need and sent his son to die in my place. And because I asked the Lord Jesus, oh, thank you, God the Son, for dying in my place. Thank you for shedding your blood. Oh, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. I'm turning from my path to yours. Oh, I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior. And ever since that day, just like the verse we read at the beginning out of Philippians 1, 6, oh, I was under new ownership and God began uh, doing a work in my life. Oh, blessed work, but I was under new ownership. It's not how you live this life, it's how you die. Who owns you? Who owns you? Believer, are you saved and yet living like hell doesn't matter that much? Right now, there's a man in hell who's pleading for someone to tell lost people that they don't have to go there. On 9-11, you, you guys have seen the videos, right? You see videos of 9-11 and there's rescue workers that they weren't, it wasn't comedy time, was it? There were rescue workers. They got very serious. They got very serious. They set their face like a flint and said, no, it's not time for entertainment. No, it's not time for vacation. No, it's not time for this or this or this. There are people that need rescuing. There were people that headed there to help. And you know what? There are people plunging into hell all around us and we need rescue workers who will be serious in this life. Yes, we, we enjoy this life. Yes, there's wonderful things. But the main thing is to use the precious time that we have so that less people are going to hell. That's the heartbeat of my Savior. Is it the heartbeat of of you, O oh Christian. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads for just a moment. I'm, I'm going to talk to the believers first. <clears throat> 